Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening Welcome to White Label America, White Label a podcast Thank where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, and before we begin, sometimes more. Have you subscribed? Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. If you haven't, what are you waiting for? So do that. Late, by all match, feedback, audio or written format, and don't be those guys who say, hey, I'm mad at Joe Rogan, but you're not supporting black businesses. So... Be about it. Be about it. Go out there, www.whitelabelamerican.com. Be on the streets and show the love. So support. With that being said, let's dive to today's recommendation. And it's kind of double dipping. So I'm going to recommend that you go to YouTube and hit up the Black Podcasters Association's YouTube channel. You know, the show is called The Spotlight. And episode 18 has today's guest. And you get more gist into why I chose that episode when you hear this gentleman speak today. So with that being said, we'll move on from the recommendation. And let's get to meet who we have in the studio with me. I have the huge honor of having a great brother, who has a background in two industries that, you know, I wouldn't have put a uh, place together and is now a podcasting guru, if I may say. But uh, he is a podcasting guru because, you know, every time I listen to him, I'm like, you know what? He does make sense because that condenser mic that I, I, I bought before, you know, I started White Label American. I don't know why I even bought it, but he was, he, he, yeah. That good thing I never recorded with that, but yeah, he's right. He's right. I shouldn't have bought that yet. So, yeah. So, today, I'm honored to have Mr. Corey Gums. He's a true content creator. He's the CEO of Black Label Media. He's the founder of Black Podcasters Association. I'm not going to say what our dear sister, Bethany Hawkins, always says. He's also the host of The Spotlight, which I just recommended. And he's a member of the Afros and Audio which is in partnership with the Black Podcasters, Black Podcasters Association. And, you know, there's a lot to this brother, which I will allow him to tell you himself. But he's a guy who I look up to, and I'm so honored that he's here with us. And he's representing Queens. You know, we got love for Queens, you know. So welcome to the studio today, brother. How you doing? Thank you for having me. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I really appreciate being here. Thank you for the invitation. Uh <laughs> I don't know about the guru part, but, you know, I try to do my part in the podcasting space and helping people. But I, I really appreciate the kind words. And again, thank you for having me here. Well, I, I crown you a guru. And yeah, it's high time we reclaim that word because there are too many fake people going around as gurus. And they, they don't mean good for the people, but we need good people who mean good for the people. So, yeah, I, 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 I crown you a guru. And I am an aspiring dictator, so I know people <laughs> who know their stuff. Well, so, I appreciate it. Let's go. This is going to be your origin story. So, now, you know, I, I already got a spoiler alert to the very first question I was going to ask, which was going to be about um, the meaning of Corey Gums. Should I still ask that question? Now I'm. Hey, I'm all game. Okay. So, um, let's begin <laughs> with your names Corey Gums. You know, you're the first person I've met who goes by those names. 
Yeah, I'm I'm pretty unique myself, so. Damn right, damn right. So, there was a story behind your names. Well, Corey, I, you know, uh, like I was telling you before we started recording, um, I decided to look up one day, Google myself and look up my first name, and what I found was in British Cockney, you know, the British slang, mm-hmm. that Corey means, it's, it's slang for dick, and they don't mean dick in a nice way. They oh, mean yeah. like how we say here in America, so. That uh, you know, sometimes I I think there's some people out there who might agree that I have the right first name, <laughs> <laughs> depending on the situation that we, and how how well they know me. So, um, but it, that, when I saw that, kind of made me laugh. And then my last name is Gums, and it's a very unique name. As it I was is. growing up, I you know I've always had to try to understand where my name came from, and um, it's it's a name. Well, my family, my father's side is through Puerto Rico. So oh. the name Gums was not the conventional Puerto Rican name or mm-hmm. Latino name. Yeah. So even growing up, I always wanted to know. And then I guess thanks to the internet, you know, um, aging myself now because we didn't have the internet when I was growing up. So, <laughs> hey, not, you know, when, I, when Google finally started <laughs> being the, the place to go, I started doing some research yeah. and um, found out that Gums is actually a name of a German family that owned slaves in the Caribbean. Oh, so um, it's through by root of Germany, yeah. Um, and uh, thanks to Ancestry.com. So hopefully, I can plug you there and it can oh. get some sponsorship going hey, here. Yeah, but um, but um, I also connected with uh, a relative who's a famous jazz player, Onaji Allen Gums. He passed away a couple of years ago, but um, him and my father used to play together, oh. uh, and they played with several bands in the 60s and 70s and stuff like that. So it was through there and connecting, reconnecting with him, I started to learn a little bit more. So the name Gums, how it wound up in Puerto Rico, yeah, which is what I found as one of my great-grand relatives, I think uh-huh. great-great-grandfather, came into Puerto Rico, um, I think from Anguilla, because there's a lot of gums in, in, in Anguilla or in, oh, oh, yeah, in the, the Caribbean. Yeah, and, I, um, I was like, where have I had that name? Yeah, yeah and he came... He came during a time where the U.S. was doing like all the bridge building in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. uh, building like the Panama Canal and oh, all the bridges in Puerto yeah. Rico and throughout yeah. America and stuff. So um, he came and I guess he settled there and then he got his roots in Puerto Rico and oh. married. And my grandfather, he was a part of the Puerto Rican Symphony Orchestra. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting history as, as, as I'm learning. But I, I actually I found out um, my father passed away last year. So when I was out there, I found out actually my name is supposed to be Corey Gum Solano, following the Latino naming convention, which is mm-hmm. you take your the month the maiden name, the maiden name comes last or something like that. So my uncle goes by Gum Solano, but oh. my father and whatever issues he had with his family growing up, he decided to drop the Solano part and just keep the gums. Oh, and then the Solano part comes through way of Spain, and come to find out yeah. it, was, it was actually a family royalty in Spain. So, I'm still uh, learning my history and my roots in regards to that space. But wow, I pick up when I can here and there. See, that, that's why I like asking the name question because I, I get so much from just asking that question because you know I, I never know what to expect. And, you know, we, we started with Corey. And, um, yeah, the, the interesting thing there is that um, my my last name, Harry, um, I shared this story on the previous episode. I had a cousin who 
but even though I, I come from a conservative Catholic slash evangelical family, um, this cousin took it to the next level and refound Jesus again and went by the dictionary definition of Harry, which is, uh, that, uh, yeah, the, the, Harry is an English word separate from the name in, in the dictionary, and Harry means uh, a fool, which is similar to Corey being a dick. <laughs> yeah, and that's what the guy got mad about and called for a family meeting. And he, he, he was a little bit, a few, just a few years older than I was. I think I was uh, 18, about 18 then. And called a family meeting and they thought it was like, hey, well, is he getting married or like, but he was a little bit too young to say he was getting married because he hadn't even finished college. And if you know how our system works, then it's like, um, if you haven't finished college and you say you want to get married, that means you got money. Okay. So, yeah, we called family meeting and they're like, hey, what's up? We all need a deliverance in this family. Well, what, what are you talking about? Uh, because our name is cost. And he opens the dictionary and reads the name, saying it means we are, we are fools. We have been cursed in this family, so we need a deliverance. We're going to call the pastor, come deliver his family. Man, it looks get out of here, man. That's how the fights broke out. And, and I'm just sitting there like, is this guy serious? <laughs> That's what this letter. And I was like, but I had a book of names, and our name in the English um, name or in English culture meant a rich, powerful lord. And so he, he he skipped over that because in the English, uh, I think it's, it's Harry is a is a is a verb, which means a, no, it's a noun. It means a fool, but he thought that was the meaning of the the, the name. But Harry is a is diff, those are two different things. So yeah, just, I mean it's it's important for people to to, <laughs> to pay attention to their names and where they come from because sometimes you know um, I, I love history. Mm -hmm. I study a lot of history, and one thing I've learned in history, especially when you're dealing with Western. Western philosophy is they like to bastardize certain things. They like to, they take, they have certain words in their language that are mispronounced or or they mispronounce other names, right? That's why we get the Christian names. That's why yeah. we get, you know, certain things. And actually your name could have been something in a more ancient language of your roots. And mm -hmm. because they came along and just heard it, how they heard it in their language, you know, it's like when people were coming through, um, uh, right here in New York City during the early 1900s when they were coming through uh, Ellis Island. You know, one of, one of my favorite movies is The Godfather. And in Godfather 2, they show you how you got the name Corleone when his name oh, was something else. Yeah. And it was the guy was like, oh, you're oh, from Corleone. Man. Your name's Corleone now. So, you know, typically, <laughs> I forgot about you know, that. so we got to be careful when we're looking up our names mm -hmm. and, and looking up to how they pronounced and, you know, and what they mean. And make sure that we, we we take into consideration that it might not always be necessarily what we see it in the dictionary or whatever it is. That's a great point. So because uh, something another thing that's common amongst um, those of us born in, in, on, um, on like Africa and even other parts of the world that got colonized is a lot of our families switched our names to fit with whoever colonized us. They're pronoun they're pronouncing it's kind of like the Colon thing because my original name is Ari. See, you know, and well, one variation that I got is because I still have family members who go by Ari, A R I, which to me is easier. It's easy to pronounce, but uh, they said somebody in school was having problems because uh, the teacher, who happened to be white, couldn't pronounce <laughs> Harry, so the person kept calling him Harry. Right, and that's how the person became Harry, and that's how a bunch of us are Harrys now. Right, right. So <laughs> the name just changed. 
And you know what's interesting about what you said was um one another one of my favorite movies. I love movies. Yeah. And I know you oh, love yeah. movies too. So <laughs> <laughs> um you know in Life of Pi. Oh yeah. Remember his name was Pacine or, or something like that. I, I know I'm butchering his name, but mm-hmm. his name became Pi because they were making fun of his name because yeah. it wasn't a conventional Indian name or something mm-hmm. like that. And that's when he did the scene where he wrote out the pie, and then he changed. He basically changed the definition of his name, and it, it took away the joke from people. Oh. So we have to, you know. And yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a quick history lesson real quick. But um, mm. part of the thing with names too, we have to be careful, with, especially from a black, you know, the diaspora perspective, is like the history of of Moorish Spain. So what happened was when the Reconquista started happening, people when they were converting when they were forced to convert to back, uh, from either from Judaism or Islam yeah. to Christian names during the Reconquista, they started taking derivar- der- derivatives of their names, mm-hmm. started changing their names, and some some historical people inside of Moorish Spain were whitewashed because of that. Wow. So, uh, you know, etymology, history, mm-hmm. connecting the two, the, what the words mean and stuff, has been like one of my little hobbies. So, like, I'm very careful... When I'm great going through history and looking at what words mean and what they say, so especially names. Yeah, right, that, that's power there because when you began talking about gums, I was expecting French from the little that I know. That was where I was expecting you to go. You know, if I if I if I were a betting man, I would have already put money down. And said that's I can see be that. French. But yeah. you know, they, all those languages, the 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 whole twelve German tribes and. You know, they're all connected. French, the the Romantic languages, yeah, yes, the, the there's English some language, you know. the Latin language, mm-hmm. even the Germanic. When you do, especially when you just look at etymology, you start seeing all these different roots going back to Old German or the British language or French, Latin. So, yeah. And I know my last name is spelled G U M B S, but it was also spelled G U M M S, G U M S. So I've heard all kind of jokes throughout my entire life because of that. <laughs> You know what? Because I'm I'm learning German now because my partner is German, and uh, my daughter speaks way better German than I do. But uh, yeah, there's I can see the G U M M. Yeah, I can see because there's um, there's a spelling that's the way the letter B can be flipped, but it's pronounced as an S. Okay. Yeah, but it's like if I press the letter B on my keyboard, then the other B comes up. And I, I use that for some, like if I'm saying uh, heist, yeah, uh, heiser. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's something there. So Yeah. One day I'll start sense. learning some extra languages. My <laughs> friend, he speaks like six languages and he's always getting on me like, Corey, you need to Ooh. learn. You need to yeah. learn. Yeah. I'm, I'm always envious of such people. I'm always yeah. envious. Yeah. But that, that's beautiful stuff, man, on names. But you see, that's why I always love asking about names. But now that I've touched on that, let's get to the, your place of birth. And what was childhood like for you? Well, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm New York born and raised, Jamaica Queens. My family had their roots. <clears throat> excuse me. My family had their roots in uh, well, I'm I'm I was born in Queens. My sisters and I were born in Queens, Jamaica Queens. My family's been there for over fifty years. One of the first black families in Springfield Gardens, uh, which is a neighborhood inside of Jamaica Queens. Mm-hmm. I'm like literally five minutes from JFK. Well, my, my grandparents were one of the first black families in that neighborhood, I think in the 50s. Um, my mom went to J- Andrew Jackson High School, which was predominantly white. You know, um, and you know, just thinking about it and seeing my, where my neighborhood is at, it's like it's, it's complete 360. Even when I was a kid, I still remember there being some older white people. 
um, still living in the neighborhood that eventually passed away. Um, <clears throat> my childhood was good. I come from a family of teachers. Um, my grandfather was a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher. My mom was a teacher, retired. My uncle was a, a music teacher. So um, unfortunately, my father wasn't around throughout most of my life. He was, he was in and out and living in Port, excuse me, living in Puerto Rico. But my childhood was good. It was like a typical, um, I, I could say it wasn't the greatest, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the worst either. Like mm-hmm. when I look back, my mom did her best to give us the best life she could. And she did, I think she did a really good job with it. You know, um, we had a strong family structure. My, my grandmother was, you know, um, as people term now, bougie. <laughs> so she, so like my sisters and I, we knew about Lord and Taylor, Saks Fifth Avenue from when we were little kids. We right. didn't know what it was. It was just grandma took us shopping for school clothes. I remember in junior high school having a pair of jabos before it was popular and putting a hole in them. Like, you know, like that kind yeah. of that kind of childhood. Um, but uh, I think the education part was really the most important part of our childhood. You know, um, I, I crack jokes now, like you know, about my grandmother. You know, especially when, you know, with this whole pronouns thing going on, and I have to tell people, like, I got drilled on this when I was a kid, like, them, they, there, and all yeah. that stuff, you know, and so it's it's hard to, when your grandmother's on the second floor here, you're talking to your siblings yelling downstairs, it's there, T-H-E-I-R, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, um, or, or always correcting you, you know, you get drilled, she drills you into it because she was an English teacher. Okay. So, you yeah. know, it's hard to break those habits, but mm-hmm. I think one of the best things I enjoyed about um now that I look back and I try to give it to my own children was the the creating the environment of being able to ask questions and learn mm. and um my grandparents had a library in their house you know they turned the living room into a big library so like that's the kind of environment I grew up in and growing up I really didn't appreciate it but now as an adult yeah um I I really see like the effects of it and um I was like as a kid I was heavy into science so I had Legos and stuff like that and I was the only boy, so I kept to myself with a lot of things. Um, <laughs> so I loved, like, G.I. Joe and He-Man and, you know, I loved cartoons. That yeah. was my thing. So, like, my imagination was very vivid as a kid. I would go outside and set up all my G.I. Joes in the yard and build for, you know, I, I, like I said, like mm-hmm. a conventional, um, genuine kid of the 80s in America at the time. <laughs> you know, you ride your bikes, you play sports. Lo- I love sports. I used to play in Little League. I sucked. But I, I played um, played football. You know, I was into sports like that. So, so what was your favorite sport that you played? Well, when I was a kid, it was baseball. Okay. And I think that was, like, the most popular sport for a lot of us. I mean, basketball was popular, too. But um, I remember, like, all of us with the baseball cards and watching games and going to games. And you had your, your hat and your Yankees. Or I, well, I was a Yankees fan turned Mets. People oh. would kill me for that one. But, oh. Oh. Um, you know, are, are you um, allowed to do that? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, I'm allowed to do it. <laughs> but um, you know, um, I I say it was conventional, and I, the reason why I say that's because like when I watch the movies now and I go mm-hmm. back and I look at things, I'm like, and I talk to my, people from my generation from other areas, we all were doing very similar things. So yeah. it wasn't anything. Um, it wasn't anything. You know, my mom was a single mom, but it wasn't anything like crazy i don't have like a story like we were sharing the same sneakers and you know same clothes and stuff like that with my sisters or anything like that but i won't say we were rich either but my mm-hmm. mom christmas came she made sure if we if we didn't have everything we wanted we had stuff that we wanted though you know 
Yeah, that was so, the magic of uh, yeah. parents. So I like, how they did it, but when I had my son, she she you know she got her revenge because she was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, because what I as a good father, what yeah. I do, I had GI Joe figures for my son. I had He Man when it came out, Teenage yeah. Ninja Turtles, and I would be on the run all over the place trying to find what my son wanted, and she'd just be like, mm-hmm. Now you see what it's like to go chasing something down at 12 a.m. in the morning on the night of Christmas Eve or something like that. So, but it was a good experience. You know, um, my mom also made sure we, we went to some of the best schools and, um, you know, that were available to us. So I went to PS251 in Queens, um, which at the time was a really good school. Then I, she fought hard to get my sister and I into a school in Douglaston, um, PS98. From there, we got zoned into uh, junior high school 67, which was the Louis Pasteur school. And then I went to Benjamin Cardozo High School. Mm. High school is when everything changed, though. You know, it's like. Well, what changed in high school? <clears throat> oh, man. Uh, uh, no, should I even ask? Let me not go too far. Let, okay. Hold on on the high school. All right, first. but. Because <laughs> there's a question that it might, I don't know if that will involve high school. But before we go further, what do you consider your favorite childhood memory? Ah, I, well, in my defense, my memory is pretty crappy, and because of I played football, it's pretty crappy. Okay, but, <laughs> yeah, that, that's know, a fair. I've had a couple of concussions that yeah, have that, had that, some detriment to my memory and stuff. But what is, I, I, you know, that's not a fair question, because my mom always made sure we had memories. Mm-hmm. So I can't tell you which memory is my favorite. Okay, which, when I which, think which about two, it, which two <clears throat> amongst the memories will you give us? Does it have to be anything, or like what, like? Hey, what what what's, what would you give us? What, what speaks to you right now, at this moment? Dang, man, it could be when my mom took me to see ET. Could be when I woke up one Christmas and I had all my Transformers and GI Joes. And, hey. and I had He Man, GI Joes, and Transformers one Christmas. Wow! So that, you know, I, that, I was like hitting the truck. Hey, I was if, like, I, <laughs> if I had that, that would have been yeah. I, I was hitting like the 1984 trifecta. <laughs> You know, of, of, of Christmases. <laughs> no, that, yeah, that's the type. That I, I think if I had okay. that, I, I probably would have been slapping everybody that day. Like, so yeah, I got one. So with my mom, because my sister, she's a year younger. Well, she'll tell you some like crazy. You know, like he, we're only eleven months, twenty-seven days, and six hours <laughs> apart, right? But her birthday's May twentieth. My birthday's June seventh. So we're like about two weeks apart. Yeah. So my mom, being a smart parent, she is. <laughs> we're gonna have your birthdays together. Right, so we yeah. would, we would always growing up we would always have our birthday parties together. We so that's um, cost effective too. Yeah, it's very cost. Then we had the privilege of having my two older cousins who were born on June seventh as well. So my grandparents had like a dining room. They mm-hmm. also had like what we call a sunroom, a big sunroom. Um, so my cousins would be having their birthday party. Oh. I'd be having my birthday party, and sometimes me and my sister would have our birthday <laughs> parties together. But I, um, they probably if they listen to this, they probably correct me wrong. That's why I say my my memory spotty. So one year we had a really big party, and I think I was turning seven, and um, I just remember it was all day, and it was hundreds of kids. Like uh, I won't say hundreds, but it was a lot of kids yeah. in our house, and you know we had big yards, so we it was spilled out to the yard. It was in the house, and it was both my sister and I party. I remember we had like a Michael Jackson Thriller contest, and I used to, you know, I was always a shy <laughs> kid, especially performing. That's why I like doing these type of things now. It was like. Mm-hmm. You know, like you hear me say all the time in a group, I'm like, oh, I wasn't planning on doing this. I wanted to be behind the scenes. That's how I've always been. And um, I used to do a really good Michael Jackson when I was significantly skinnier. Um, and I remember they had a big contest, and 
everybody, my mom was like, go do it, do it, do it, do it. And I remember I sat at the top of the stairs because I would not go downstairs to go. I was so shy that I would not go in front of all these people that I knew yeah. and do my Michael Jackson impression. And some kid won and, you know, and it was a good day. It was a good day. It was a really good day. Hey, you had fun, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, so... It goes that, and then it was like the traveling. Like my mom always made she was because she was a teacher. She made sure every summer we went away. So oh, nice. those those were really good memories. So, where, 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 um, what place did you travel to that was like the most fun experience? I the, from what I can remember was I was like, I think we were like eight years old. Mm -hmm. Eight, I was about eight nine years old. I think we actually went back to Puerto Rico. You know, my mom. My father wasn't living in Puerto Rico. My mom finally felt comfortable with us being able to go to Puerto Rico to visit our family out there. And that was um, a different experience. I mean, from what I saw in the pictures when I went out there last year yeah. to bury my father. And apparently, condolences on that, too. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, I saw other pictures that I don't remember because I was probably too young. Yeah. But um, the last fond memories I had... And I always remember this because I remember for two reasons. One, Madonna's Like a Prayer came out. Oh. My grandpa, and being heavily religious and Catholic, <laughs> my sister and I were sitting there watching it because a lot of TV out there was in Spanish, so yeah. we didn't know Spanish. But that was, the movie, the videos were in English, so we was watching it. And I remember she got so mad and turned the TV off and <laughs> cursed and all this stuff in Spanish. And my father was like, yeah, I think we're not going to do that anymore. <laughs> And the other part was, now this is the this is how inappropriate parents were in the eighties. My father tried to wake us up so we could watch po uh, Police Academy one night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like eight years old, like seven, eight years old. So, you know, um, and then you know, my cousins, you know, they had their house. We would go over, and I think that was the first time I remember seeing Empire Strike Back. Because remember, it's mm -hmm. not like how it is now. Back then, you caught it when it was on TV. Yes, it was. If you were lucky enough to catch it. And or if you... And I think a lot of people don't understand, like, VHS <laughs> wasn't popular in 1983. It was, but it was expensive. I remember my aunt got a VHS, and she paid, like, $80 for fresh groove... Uh, for fresh... Well, crush grooving. Fresh groove. Wow. Hip-hop heads are going to be mad at me. And... um. <laughs> My cousins had a beta machine, and mm. we watched Empire Strike Back at their house, and it was in Spanish. Oh, man. Dang. Was... But you're eight years old. <laughs> Star Wars is on. You you don't care. You don't care. <laughs> so yeah. you're watching it. Yeah, yeah you'll make it work. Yeah, we made it work. And oh. I, that's one of the fondest memories I have of my time oh, out there. <laughs> so, but, you uh. know, um, I, I will say I had like, a, you know, I, would ha I had a decent... Childhood, my mom. You, she, we would go to the Poconos. You go to different trips up and down the East Coast. Yeah. So, um, she always made sure we were kind of well rounded. You know, we went to our family reunions every year in Virginia. So it was always a, it was always an experience in the summertime. Summertime was exciting to look for because I knew we at least were going away for like a week or so nice. during the summertime. So nice. So, um, yeah, we we also got uh, um, Madonna's uh, like like a prayer. Uh, I don't think, I think it was later in my teenage years that I realized uh, this song is not a religious song. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but people didn't like the visualization. Yeah, the, the visualization. Yeah, that yeah, was the I big think, part. Well, well, yeah, actually, as a kid, I think, yeah, my, yeah, I, I, now, yeah, my elder study cussed me out once because my elder brother, who, now he's more on the religious side, but 
Then he used to be in and out of the religiousness. He was okay with playing the song all the time, but it was always on state TV, which I found weird because I was like, state TV was supposed to... You know, there was some stuff that they played on state TV all the time, and I was like, why? Now I look back, I'm like, why? What, what, what was the message here? Because you guys played George Michael. Was it because the song had fate? You all said, oh, that must be a Christian song. So every day, that song was on. <laughs> then like, oh, Madonna came out, that song was on, and then... My sister would get mad if I was caught watching it and shout at me. And I'm like, but, you know, it was on the state TV. Right. We only had two TV channels. And sometimes they're playing the same song. <laughs> Both channels. So it's not like uh, I had any choice of a third TV channel. And, uh, um, yeah, uh, Police Academy also was one of those movies that literally, like, one. there was one period where they had one, two, three, four. I, I think, yeah, they showed, like, Four days in a row, they just showed all four movies uh, all night, and that might have yeah. been around the same time because I remember he was saying like they were showing it all night long. Yeah, but this was back in Nigeria. And it was just like, man, this kid, this movie as kids, that was like glorious for us, like woo, everything like well, that's next. That's what we're talking about in school, and like I was like, man, if they had caught us watching that movie, like you know, the most religious people, obviously. Yeah, I think we would have gotten in trouble because to us it was just comedy. But I was like, uh, yeah, now I look back, I was like, yeah, that, 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 that all of us should have been allowed yeah. to watch that movie. <laughs> well, I always tell people the 80s was a wild time. It was, right? it was. It was for the world, right? You it know, was, we had the music. Uh, yeah, even, you know, even uh, our, our go to movie in, in my neighborhood, which was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, Commando. Oh, man. Yeah, that was, uh, it, it was until almost year 2000 that we started calling him Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because if you, if you came to any of the houses that I lived in with my guardians, my uncles, and said, uh, I got this movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, they'll be like, who's that? Commando. Oh, that, yes. that strong man. That guy is strong, eh? That guy is a very strong guy. Very strong guy. I like that Commando guy. He, 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 new Commando movie. No, it's not Commando. It's uh, Eraser. What is Eraser? Commando? Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah, Commando. <laughs> okay, yeah. Now, now I want to talk. <laughs> yeah, Sylvester Stallone was Rambo. That's all. You just say Rambo. Right. It didn't matter what. Oh, yeah. Rambo. That's it, was either, it was either Rambo or Rocky. <laughs> it was one of the two. He was, he was first, first, he, first he was Rocky and then he became Rambo. <laughs> Uh, I think it was only um, uh, Chuck Norris and Van Damme who were lucky that their names stuck. It was like, yeah, those were like yeah. two of the few that, uh, and uh, Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Well, Wesley Snipes, Passenger 57 stuck. Always bet on black. Always bet on black. Oh, man, I, my, my little uncle, that guy, it was, it was hard to like convince that guy to release money to go buy a movie because it was like, man, you know, I'm trying to tell you who this this movie is for. This movie is about like uh, who, who, is, who is there any good actor in this movie? Yes, you you know the guy. His name is Wesley Snipes. Uh, I don't know. I'm not giving you money for that one. Look, man, I don't have money, so I need your money. Give me the money. Give me the money so I can go buy it. Passenger 57. Wait, Passenger 57. Uh, what are you doing in that movie? They try to kidnap. You know, they they hijack the plane. Oh, that black guy was killing everybody. Yes, that black guy is good. <laughs> Hey, why did you tell me? Take money. I said, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that was my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's a little different. I mean, you know, and I love movies. I love going to the movies. But I also remember, like, growing up, movies, that was an event. 
Mm-hmm. Because you didn't, you you either saw it on on TV, or here in New York City we had a box of, of like before cable was called WHT, mm. and it was like a box you had and you put it on your TV. And of course at the time a lot of people had it illegally. And oh. I, don't know, I don't know if we had it illegally, but I know we had the box. And sometimes that's how I saw Trading Places and saw uh, Indiana Jones and Conan. Wow. And it would play. They would, and that would be an event in our house, right? We so, would put it on. Was that box only for movies? Or it was only it? for movies. Huh. And it would just turn like it was a knob. I just uh-huh. remember it was a brown box with a knob on it and a switch. So, and I think the switch was to like if you put it on channel three or something. The problem with it was is that you had to wait for the movie. Like you had like a like a TV guide and you had to see when the movies were coming on. Oh. And, but it was like an event because I remember there would be times okay. where they would have their friends come over and we'd watch we'd watch movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And these are movies that would be out in the movie theater. Oh. Like a li- either okay. a little bit after the, they left the movie theater or so like, you know, I saw Indiana Jones. That was what, 81? So I saw it in like 82, 83. I, was, I remember I was like four, five, I was like five years old. Yeah. See, I remember these movies because these were like big things to me. Yeah. And that's why I love them to this day. But, you know, um, I tell my son all the time, like, you guys got it easy, man. <laughs> yeah, now and you know, and then people look at me and they're like, "Well, how come you're watching Star Wars again?" I'm like, "You don't understand." Yeah. Like, when DVDs came out, I was like, "Yes!" Now I could just pop it on Disney Plus and mm-hmm. just watch it as many times as I want. Yeah, that, that's uh, you know, by the time I was coming up in any um, city, most cities I lived in in Nigeria, uh, for some reason, cinemas had crashed. The only places that cinemas were existing in was um, mostly in the red light districts, and it was mostly Bollywood that they had. For some Bollywood? Reason, yeah, they okay. had Bollywood in red light districts. Or they would have, like, um, some Chuck Norris or Van Damme movie. That, I don't even know if those guys realized they made those movies. But they, that's what they'll be showing. Because um, around when I was 16, 15, 16, I did some, um, what's it called? It's kind of like our moonshine. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had to help somebody go sell them in that um, red light area, and there was one of those so-called theaters in there, and yeah, none of those movies. It's just illegal stuff that they're showing, and I was like, "Damn, they got a theater here." That was like the first time I saw a theater in my life, and I was like, "Wow!" But yeah, you know, I was like, "I ain't gonna sit down here because I don't think anybody's going there to really watch a movie." <laughs> right, right. So it wasn't the same experience. So it, it would be until, um, but by the time I was eighteen. Um, Silver Bear Cinema had already um, started that they had gotten license to show movies so it became a big thing to go to a movie theater in Lagos and then they started spreading to other cities and then other pe- people started opening theaters around the country but man it was I couldn't afford to go <laughs> to the theater by then until I moved to the States and then when I moved to the States I was like man yeah that was it, it you can't stop me and I was just going um, but my my brother took me to go see. Uh, yeah, I saw a bunch of crap movies. I ain't gonna lie, but uh, Iron Man obviously because uh, I came like a year before Iron Man, and I was no looking back. And I still remember going to see Avatar. Uh, so you came here before Iron Man? Oh yeah, okay. oh yeah. I saw the trailer. Perfect timing. Uh, yeah, perfect timing. <laughs> I, I, had to, I had to come for the start of MCU, man. <laughs> I had to. And as I, when, when I saw the trailer, I, I knew before before they even showed the name. I knew it was Iron Man. I saw the trailer. I was like, that's Tony Stark. I knew. I was just like, yep, that's that's how you knew I was an MCU guy. They made it for me. And the moment I saw, uh, um, then my brother took me to uh, go see Avatar. I was like, oh, you got to see this movie. I was like, what? 
gotta put on his glasses. I was like, why I gotta wear glasses to see a movie? It's in 3D. I was like, what's 3D? Okay. Like, oh, you got, you're gonna love this. And I sat down, I was like, whoa, whoa, what is this? I feel like I'm touching. Hey, hey, what is, hey, after that, I started paying three, for every, every movie was 3D. I started buying 3D tickets. They got me with that. Oh, so <laughs> it, you, it, it got me like, it was like uh, until the fifth movie, I was like, what? Don't I have the same ex- feeling for, for this movie? <laughs> So you're the person I don't like. Uh, no, <laughs> I, was, no, I, I was getting tired of that 3D movie run because it was like, you know, yeah. when they film scenes, they're filming it with the with, for the effect of 3D. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I, I'm not a big... I never liked 3D. Uh, yeah, um, at, after, at Avatar, Avatar was the only movie that I, that I experienced got me. And I thought every other movie was going to be the same. It, it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So I think after uh, Clash of the Titans, I was like, okay, this is fraud. <laughs> this is fraud because uh, I got I came out of the theater and I was coming on, on base and somebody saw me and was like hey man you, you just saw the movie I want to go see it I was like what are you, what tickets are you planning to buy I said 3D I said don't do that you don't need 3D you can just buy a normal ticket and yeah. see that I'm like, my eyes are hurting right now I wasted because I was watching the movie and I think I raised took off my glasses and I was like I can see what what man Got me. Well, for me, I wear glasses, so mm-hmm. putting those glasses on top of it was never a great experience. Oh, yeah, that's but true. But I didn't always wear glasses yeah. like this, like I wear now, but... That's true. Well, oh, well. So, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into the present. We're still going to do some stuff from the past, and then come into the present. So, stay with us. Hi, everyone. We've made it two years, and who would have thought so? So let's go for that and make it three, make it four, make it five, make it six. Who knows? 20. But we can't do this without your support. So join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash white label American P-O-D pod or linktree.com slash white label American. Go there and you'll see our Patreon link and you can join us for as low as $3. We have bonus content, we have bonus materials. There's so much juice over there that we don't release to the public. And yeah, you can contribute in making this podcast better. You can send questions, you can send your ideas. And also there's a lot of new things that are coming. The announcements are made on Patreon first because we have to, you know, take care of people who help make this podcast possible so you can be the one to make this podcast what you want it to be come join us on patreon and make it what you like to see join us make it fantastic keep the five stars coming in keep the love coming in thank you for the privilege of your company all righty welcome back and thank you for staying with us so you said high school was interesting Things changed a little bit. What changed in high school? Yeah, I should say it changed a lot. A lot. Okay. <laughs> um, that's when I started. Uh, I guess the the street side came in. Um, <clears throat> you know, I I didn't go, I cut a lot of school. Mm-hmm. Um, I went from junior high school where I was I went I was doing okay. Wasn't the smartest kid in school. Or wasn't enough like the what we call the SP classes where all the nerds went to and stuff. But, you know, I was doing my thing. So when I came into high school, I had more credits than a normal kid would have at the time. I think that's where, like, a lot of teen, 
adolescent teenage boys start to find themselves or uh for me it was it became cutting classes mm. getting involved in 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 street stuff angry mm. you know um the teens the yeah. teen angst yeah you know um I was rapping. I wanted, uh, you know, I was trying to me and my f- best friend. We had a little rap group, and then um, I hooked up with some friends from high school. We had our rap group, so that's what that was my start of me getting into the music industry, looking to do um, rap. Um, but I was, you know, I got caught up uh, in high school. I would hang out in a lunchroom. We would uh, play spades, gamble. You know, I sold a couple drugs here and there, but that wasn't really my thing. I realized I wasn't built for that life because one thing I was scared, I didn't want to go to jail. So, um, but you know, even like, even like we had a, I, I'll say it was a crew, even though we try to act like we were like a little gang, but we, we, we were crew. So, you know, I got caught up in that stuff, but I was also the kid, like my, my history class and science class were like the only two classes I went to. And sometimes my science class, I would just walk into science and take the test and leave. Wow. Right. Cause I would, I would literally, um, you know, one of the things I was always didn't want to be was a nerd. But I wasn't heavily into science, so mm-hmm. like I I, re- I would read my textbook at home. So, so it, it it pulled to you, it called you. Yeah. So, but I just wasn't the whole school thing wasn't for me. I never saw myself going to college. Um, you know, it was a lot of self destructive behavior, but it was a lot of cutting. It was a lot of, you know, me not caring, mm. and I was just angry. My father wasn't around. You know, it was like that whole, you know, coming of age thing. But um. I, my dream was to be a rap artist, was to get into the rap game and do all that stuff. But I really wanted to make the music. So I was pretty good. Still consider myself pretty good at rapping, but I don't do it anymore. Um, and hooked up with two of my friends. We had a rap group. We put to produce our own demo and everything. We were we were managed. We were trying to get signed and stuff like that. And, you know, that just fell apart. And then when one of, my, one of the guys, he decided he was going down to North Carolina for college. We kind of broke up. Oh, no. But I was still, me and my other friend, he was more into the rap stuff. I was more into wanting to work in the studio and and um do the studio thing and and do the beats and stuff so like that. That's what I've always wanted to do. Wanted to be behind. The right. Scenes. So like when we would go in the studio, I would love watching the engineer and the guys producing the music versus me more writing my lyrics and stuff. So um with that, I started really pursuing the music thing. I finally uh in high school when I was in Cardozo uh, I, we got a new administrative team there, and I remember the lady sat down. She's like, "You have two choices: you can start going to class, or I can kick you out." And me being a knucklehead, you know, uh, anti anti establishment, <laughs> all that stuff. I was like, I was like, "F you, whatever." And I left the school before she could kick me out. So I wound up going to an alternative high school, which was called Queens Outreach, but it was then we changed the name while we were in the school, but. That was a great experience for me, and it was like a very different environment. It was a smaller school. Okay, a lot of the kids there came from. They were, we were all there because we weren't doing well in our high schools. So, what is an alternative high school? Like, yeah, well, is it just for kids who are it, about to be kicked out from their school? Or? Yeah, basically, you either get kicked out, uh, you but you were the troublemakers, right? Mm. It's like 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 what you saw on like TV, like those school, those, you know, like. But we weren't like when you get there, it has a, it has a bad rap. Oh, like those are the bad kids. Those are kids who didn't go to class. Those are kids who got in the fights all the time. Yeah. But when you got there, you realize that we were all just going through whatever we were going through. Some some people were there because they had some like the girls. Some of them were there because they had kids and they were just behind. Okay. Right. Um. 
some of us were just we just didn't thrive in that bigger environment you know of that meritocracy type of environment where you do good they 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 they, they watch you and they, you know they give you praise and if you you're doing bad you just slip through the cracks yeah and because it's a smaller environment like we could curse and we call teachers by their first name and all that stuff and the teachers were really cool like we would joke around and you know, it was a really good, it was a very small environment, and then everybody got cool with each other. So you start realizing that most of these kids here, we had people in our school when they would take the region, they were getting like 99 on the physics regions and stuff like that. Wow. It's just the environment of the regular school system just wasn't conducive to them. Okay. You know, and um, I excelled there, you know, um, when I was there. It was just it was just more relaxed environment. But that's how I got into Shakespeare when I like I read Mac, Macbeth while I was there, and I was like, "Wow, man, I love Macbeth." Um, so, got into science. Like I really got deep into science to the point where I was like the class clown, and you know. <laughs> and I remember I graduated in January. I was supposed to graduate in June of '95, but I graduated in January '96 again because when I came into high school, I had more credits than than I than most normal kids did have. So I was already I didn't and. Had I known that when I came into high school, I might have approached it differently. Yeah, but I didn't know that until I grad until I got my transcript to go to college. I realized I was like, "Hold up, I came into high school with like thirty credits, and I only needed like twenty five more to graduate." It was some some weird number. I can't remember off the top of my head. I was like, "I would have did what I had to do sooner, right?" <laughs> <laughs> but you live and you learn. Uh, and then right after high school, I decided to go. Like I mean, like we've done stuff. Like I, I mean, I've jumped people, I've robbed people, I've done all that stuff, and. When I was in high school, and I don't want to say it's the typical black experience, but in the '90s, it's kind of what it was. You know, um, I've gone up to high schools. We've had fights at other high schools and stuff like that with my mm -hmm. friends and stuff. So, and I, I, I think I took that knowledge and tried when I had my son was trying to make sure he doesn't go down that path because I didn't really have much. I didn't have much of that when I was growing up, so I didn't have that guidance. I didn't have that person. When I had my grandfather died when I was 13, yeah, he was probably the closest thing to that type of guidance, but he was a hard man. You know, he was he was a fair man, but he was hard. Like, I couldn't play up the block and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, oh, okay. You know, he he, he was very, was, he had uh, his standards. Okay, so he, he was right. the so extreme. Like, so, like, when he when he passed away, I got my flat top. Like, because he was like, you're not coming in my house with that stuff. He was like that kind of person. Mm. You're not wearing your pants a certain way because that's how they wear it in jail. And, you know, he was that kind of person, you yeah. know. um. My grandparents were very involved in the civil rights movement, so they had a very unique view or very view of where we're supposed to be back be at as a culture and as a community. Um, but high school, I decided to do something I shouldn't have done, which was go straight to college because I, I struggled going to high school. Why would I go straight to college? Mm. So I, I actually got enrolled into Five Towns College because, again, I wanted to be a studio engineer. And at that time, they didn't have dorms and stuff, so I was commuting back and forth. It was a two-hour trip there wow. and back home. It was just, it was crazy. But it was cool, but I wasn't ready for it. I was too immature. I failed out. Then decided to go to Queensborough Community College. Failed out of that because, again, the discipline part of going to and from school was just like, you know, and if, you know, it's different. You don't have professors saying, sitting you down saying, hey, get your act together. This is like, well, if you don't show up, you don't show up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's college. You're an yeah. adult. Yeah. <laughs> so, but high school was cool. Um, played a lot of football. That's when I started like really loving football. With junior high school to football, um, to high school, my high school at the time didn't have a football team. We tried, but my my. Oh, friends, you guys tried to create one. We tried to get them. We tried to lobby and do petitions, but they refused to do it. No. But the irony of it is, my friend's little brother, who is my my friend's little brother, 
who was my son's one of my used to be one of my son's best friends because they li- lived on the same block. He went to Cardozo. He played on the football team, so I used to go to his games and be salty. <laughs> <laughs> Every time they'd be losing, I'd be like, "Good, <laughs> this is karma," <laughs> you know. But um, uh, I also think that if I went to a school that had a football team, my my, my high school experience would have been different because I wanted to play football, yeah. but I didn't have the outlet that I that I needed. I even I even attempted to go into the military after high school. It was going to be the National Guard because I didn't okay. want to commit to like you know. I, Clearly, I had a problem with discipline and, and authority, so <laughs> that was one of my big. And I, you know, that also was me expe- uh, rebelling against my family because mm-hmm. I won't say they were strict, but they had, like, again, they had their standard, they had their way. So even to this day, that's why you see me be a little aggressive and pushy back with certain <laughs> things and have my own opinions on certain things. But um, I even tried to go into the military, but I never committed. I never signed anything, but I went through the whole process. I went to the ASVAB. I took the ASVAB test. Wow. I think I think I didn't even like I didn't prepare for it. I just went and took it, and I got like an eighty five. I fuck, I think it was like an eighty five or something on the ASVAB. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, you did good. <clears throat> and they took yeah. me over there in Brooklyn on Fort Hamilton, yeah. and I spent the night at this whole uh, the hotel in Staten Island. Wow. I don't know if they still do that now, but um, I guess if I knew, that's from I think else, when I when I did that, I realized I wasn't for, I didn't want to be in the military when I spent the night at the hotel because people were like they were shipping out the next day. Mm-hmm. So some it was just it was madness, and I was just like, nah, this is not the environment I want to be in. But long story short, um, I did the physical, yeah, and I was like seven, I was like seventeen at the time, so I never experienced that, and that was like a whole thing. And this guy, I think he was either having a bad day or he was just a miserable person. But it was a black a black petty officer and this other guy. He was an older guy, and I got I. I guess they like divvied up the group. I got the the older guy. He failed me because I was five pounds overweight. What? He failed me. So it was like, well, you guys don't want me, so I'm not I'm not doing this. You know, I was looking for my out. <laughs> and I remember the recruiter was like, come on, because I, I had such a high ASVAB score. He yeah. said it was, he said it was a high ASVAB score. Yeah, they, they, and I had all. I did, and then yeah. after that, they're, they're killed for that. All branches be begging you. They're well, like, after that, for two years, that's all I was getting phone calls mm-hmm. from all the branches. Hey, you ever thought about going to Marine Corps? You ever thought about now? Marine. Now I wanted to officer territory for Marines. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to tell you. Marines take 25, 20s, 20s. Good. <laughs> now, as a kid, I always wanted to go into the Marine Corps, yeah. but my mom was always against it. Oh, so, yeah. that, but at that, that, that's a good mom. But by the time I was 18, 19 <laughs> years old, I was like, but you know what? I, I sometimes I think I need, I, sh- I, you know, even though I'm where I'm at now in life and the experiences and everything, I always say I look back and say I don't regret it because I wouldn't be who I am today. Yeah, my pockets might be different than what they are today, but hey. but you know, um, as a person in the view, some of the viewpoints. You know, could I have avoided some of the experiences I went through if I if I did the right thing? Yes. You know, could I have escaped some of the heartbreak and some of the disappointments? And, and But I also wouldn't have some of the joys and stuff, too. So, but I, I wasn't ready for it. That's the truth, though. Yeah. You know, and um, sometimes I look back and be like, damn, I wish I, I would have just had somebody that would have been like, do it, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't, and that's it, and... Those kind of thoughts, they come and then they go, and I try not to sit too much in there because if you if you if you sit there, you're gonna start regretting things, and yeah. it's just gonna keep you from seeing what you have in front of you or where you're trying to go. So, that's uh, yeah, that's literally crying over spilled me. Yes. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, I I I just have to laugh because you know when when I did my own ASVAB, you know my recruiters didn't tell me anything. They, all I did, you know, when I called. 
because I was trying to get out of the house. I didn't know anything. And my, my distant cousin had just said, hey, you'll be a good guy for the Navy. Just, you know, I was like, how do I join? Just call them. I said, okay. I'll well, you know, take you with open arms. I, I just <laughs> hit them. Hey, I'm, I'm brand new in America. I have a green card. Uh, I, want to, I want to join the Navy. Oh, where, where are you? Take, uh, come to our office. I don't know where your office is at. Um, what, what can I pick you? Give us your address. They were there. One hour later, they were there. Picked me up. Oh, and, yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, they're doing this? In Nigeria, they'll be like, well, um, go buy the farm. Figure it, figure it out. There ain't nobody doing all this for you. And I was like, wait, how much do I have to pay? You, know, you don't have to pay money. Come. Well, just sit down in this room. Feel like this. Um, we just want to test you on English. I was like, I speak English. Well, yeah, yeah, we know, but just... We're just going to test you on English and mathematics. I'm like, maths? Ah, oh, hell no, man. I don't like maths. I probably feel. And before I know it, they're like, oh, the payoffs that came out. I'm like, man, you, you, I wish we have, I wish everybody we got was just like you. You're great. I said, I haven't taken maths in like, what, five years? Man, I, I'm, I'm sweating like, oh, man, these people going to be laughing at me. This guy's an embarrassment. He's 25 years and he, he, he can't even pass basic mathematics. And they're like, oh, man, this guy, wait, wait. Do you have a degree? I was like, no. Oh, you did so good. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, all right. Um, let's do this then. Next thing, uh, they were like, oh, you, you're going to do your medical test and all this, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I didn't, that was the ASVAB. They took me to the ASVAB. They took me to some other kids. Well, none of those kids passed the ASVAB. But they didn't tell me that uh, I was going to take ASVAB proper. That's yeah. a real test. <laughs> so, so I think he told me yeah, because you know. I didn't sign any. I didn't sign any paperwork. He yeah, was just like he was some, like some recruiters do. He was like, let's don't. just go through the process mm-hmm. and see what happens, and then we'll take it from there. And he, I mean, he begged me for like a couple of weeks. He was like, "What's up? Let's go." You know, yeah. like, and I was like, "I, I, I, I look, I took it as like, well, you got <laughs> you because the, the black guy was the petty officer. He was upset with that. He was like, I was walking out the room. And he pulled me to the side. He was like, you know, that guy's a dick. Mm-hmm. That's what he said to me. And I was like, well, his name is not Corey. No, nah, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, he's like, yo, he's a dick. He was like, I, he's like, you're gonna he was like, you're gonna lose at least 30 pounds in, in boot camp. Yeah. That that that's that's so he was like, I, he was like, he's just he was like he did mm-hmm. that. He told me he like did that to like three other people that day. So mm-hmm. he was just he was just a miserable person yeah. who just I don't know, I guess he was on the verge of retirement. I don't know what the situation was, but because he even you could just look at him and see that he just wasn't happy to be there. It, it sounds like the person who did my first disability exams at <laughs> VA. Oh, good. It was just like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's guy that he was mm-hmm. just like, uh, yeah. Here okay. I go again, another day. Yeah, uh, yeah. You have pins here, there. All right, I hear you. All right, we'll be in touch. I said, what? <laughs> yeah, we'll be in touch. I said, Is that it? Yeah, okay. And zero percent. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I'm not filing for disability again, <laughs> never, <laughs> never. And then so, until I moved to New York, and the first time I checked into the VA, they're like, why are you on zero percent? I was like, because you all treated me like this. They're like, oh, no, you shouldn't. And I was like, I don't want to listen to anybody. <laughs> I didn't right. realize that uh, it was just one terrible doctor in Texas that. Yeah, you gotta f- now. You gotta fight, like you mm-hmm. know. And I went well. Fast forward when I got hurt, but I had to do that. I had to go through that with workers' comp, and like you just gotta f- keep fighting oh, yeah. and stuff because everybody's gonna try their best to take it away from you. Mm-hmm. You know, yep, and still, if you don't I'm fight for fighting. it or speak up for yourself, you're not gonna get the services you need. Oh, so, yeah. oh yeah, but um. Yeah, I mean that that was that experience, um, and I worked, you know, I worked through, throughout high school, so I had jobs and stuff like little jobs at the mall and stuff like that, and it was cool, you know, it was it was good experiences. Yeah, but uh, I'm still going back to that '85. I'm just picturing 
<laughs> the recruiters like they're gonna be crying because you know why I'm picturing that. You know, after I took my ASVAB, it was just like myself back in the office after taking my first test and I didn't realize that um the scores were on the back of the card. So I'm sitting down and all the kids around me, they were all like, they were like somewhere crying, like outright bawling, like, oh my God, oh my God, this is my third time taking the ASVAB. And I was like, this guy taking it, you can take it more than once? And he's like, oh my God, I failed. I paid, I paid this tutor. One was like $50, one was like $300. I was like, what? They got yeah. tutors for this? So I bought this book. I got this book from the library. And then it was like, they've been crying and complaining and everybody was just whining. And it's like, after like, 10 minutes or so, they realize I've been sitting down there quiet. And we're like, hey, man, what about you? What you, what you what's your score? I was like, oh, nothing. Oh, don't, don't worry, I failed. Come on, man, everybody's been sharing. Oh, yeah, 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 you, I, don't, I don't need to share, I failed. No. Let's just, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that everybody failed. And they're like, oh, yeah, let us know. So one guy came from behind me and pulled my card out of my hand. I was like, man, you did good. Are you trying to be an IT? I was like, uh, no, no. Wait, an OS? I was like, uh, I don't even know what that is, but uh, uh, wait, 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 what exactly is the score? Just just for the record, what's the score? I don't even know where the score is at, so what is it? Oh, you scored 65. I was like, 65, and I didn't do one whole chapter. <laughs> I skipped one whole chapter, yeah. so I was like... Uh, I, I walked into it. I, didn't, yeah, I wasn't I was, prepared for it. I wasn't prepared. I didn't know I was going to be taking any test. All I knew was like, the guy told me, go into this room, don't talk to <laughs> nobody. If you have, When you're done, raise your hand up. I was like, raise, raise my hand up for what? Yeah, it's like looking at the computer. I was like, uh, and you know, answer all your questions. I was like, what I gotta do with my medical health? <laughs> right. And he was, I was, that's when I realized I was taking an exam. I was like, why, why, what kind of recruiter is this? Why did you tell me I was gonna be doing this? That's why I tell people like you know, especially the younger generation, you gotta be careful with that. I'm not. That, I mean, they have their process on how to get get people to join in, right? And for me, that wasn't that was just the whole experience. I was like, yeah, this is not for me. Yeah. Even though I thought about it, even when I was grow- got older and I was doing stuff, I was like, maybe I should, you know, I I don't like backing away from a challenge. So mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I need to finish this challenge that I walked away from. <laughs> but even my son, when he turned, when he graduated high school and he didn't know what he wanted to do, I was like, listen, you know, maybe going, you know, um, I have friends at the Air Force, Navy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, maybe you shouldn't go into the Navy Air Force because he had, he had self, he had, he, he gave me what I gave my mom when he was in high school. He just wasn't doing the stuff that I was doing. He just wasn't doing his work and stuff. Yeah. And, I'm, and I and pre- I always prepared myself. I said, my son, is, my kids are going to give me what I gave my mom. I always got to just have an honest, open relationship with them and conversations with them. And I would. Mm-hmm. And of course, being a parent, you get emotional sometimes and you're like, no, you're going to do your homework and but I also had to understand that I understood where he was coming from because me and his mom didn't have a great relationship. So he had his issues and I raised him. So he had his own personal issues and stuff going on. But I told him like when he graduated high school, I was like, maybe you should consider if you don't figure out what you want to do, because it was always, what do you want to do? I don't know. I knew he loved art. He does. He's an artist. But he never talked about art being something that he wanted to do. Yeah. So I was like, all right, you have two choices when you get out of high school, get a job or go into the military. I said, Go in the military, do the three years in the Navy or whatever the time in the Air Force. Get your, at least get your credit and your money, and get yourself a car and a place, mm-hmm. and get get whatever they going to get, and get your GI. So yeah, if you decide yeah. to go to school, school you have that in place. Just do that and get. And I don't know. I knew the discipline would be good for him, but he decided to get a job and he worked for a year and 
after a year, I was like, okay, you're 19. It's time for you to figure out what you're going to do. And he decided he wanted to do art, went to school for art. So, nice. and that, you know, and I recognized by me traveling my own path through high school and college that I had to back off and let him just be him. Offer your parental guidance, but mm-hmm. let him figure out his own path and what he wants to do. So I remember one time I told his mom, like, yo, he's an artist. You got He has to suffer. Leave him alone. Yeah. You know, she's trying to, like, he's an artist. Leave him alone. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, I like that, dude. I like that. I think one of the biggest problems parents make, I don't think, I learned this from my oldest. I have three kids. Two two boys and a, and a, daughter, and a girl. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned from my oldest just raising him because he came to live with me when he was two years old. I raised him until he was 14. Yeah. And one of the, I always learned from, I've always been observant about people and stuff. I'm not really an engaging person on the public with people. Yeah. But I always watch. And one of the things I learned about little kids was like, I don't know if they, it's because of the lack of maturity or lack of experience, but they, certain events that would devastate most people, they would just move past it, right? You know, be like, oh, this happened, okay, whatever. And they find their little childish ways of dealing with it. <laughs> So when people talk about childhood trauma a lot, I'll be like, well, I, I don't know, because my son, when you think they're not listening, they're listening. That's one yeah. thing I learned, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but also I, he, how how he's how he dealt with certain things that I've seen happen. You know, his perspective was completely different than mine. Mm. For instance, you know, uh, he grew up with me. He was a huge. He was four years old. Huge Superman, um, Spider-Man fan. You know, that's when the first Spider-Man movies came out. So mm-hmm. he's going to be 23 this year. So that's how old he is. So, um, And I remember he used to think he was Spider-Man. And then, you know, you, as a parent, you let him do He had his little Spider-Man outfit. He'd be jumping on. You know, we had, like I said, we have a library in the house. Yeah. He would climb the shelves and be jumping off the stairs and doing what little boys do. And I remember one time we were leaving the house. His daycare was down the block from my house. And we were leaving. I didn't know about it. But my uncle came in the room and said, there was here gunshots. So when I'm leaving the house, the whole block is taped off and everything. And I'm like, what the hell? And they had my car blocked though, because I was taking him to school and I had to go to work. And when we were walking out, you hear people talking, somebody got shot and killed in the car around the corner or whatever. And um, he was like, I'm Spider-Man. You know, he's like, I could save him. Wow. So I so so my thing is like, you know, people would be like, no, no, no. So I was like, you know what? At a four at four years old, if a four-year-old is saying this to me, then it's time for me to have this conversation with him. I always was like, you gotta be honest with them, you gotta be clear with them. And you got to figure out a way to, to 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 communicate with them, and I think a lot of parents fail in that space, which is why they have so many complications as the kid gets older, with their you know the the sense of entitlement and stuff like that, or just how they view certain things. But um, that's always something I try to do with my kids. And some people are like, oh, you're just brutally honest. Yes, sometimes you have to be, and it's okay. Yeah, you know, um, the world is not is going to be brutally honest, brutally honest with them when they step out those doors. You can't shield them from that. So, so you got to give them the skill set so they can work details, through that so. so they don't take, internalize it mm-hmm. and, and become, you know, a sociopath or psychopath. You know, some people might disagree with me and say that I'm creating that, but but I just realized, like, you know, they'll be able to, like, my son at 22, he handles things so much better than I did when I was his age because I never, I treated, I treated him like a child, but I didn't treat him like a baby, even as he was growing up. And even as an adult, I still, like, I had to stop myself the other day. He sent me a picture of him drinking a beer, and I was like, "It's one thing I never used to do in my front of my kids was drink." But um, I was like, "Oh, so you're having your beer now?" I was like, "I said you're not driving, are you?" He was like, "No, we walked here." I was like, "That's you know, like I would have never you made know. that decision at his age." Yeah. So I was like, "Have fun." I said, "Oh, you walked there? Have fun." There you go. 
And then, of course, being a dad, the, the type of dad I am, I call him next morning at like 8 o'clock in the morning just be like, wake up. You know, just to, just to mess with him because I knew he might have been hangover or he was out late. You know? But yeah, I can't wait. I, can't I was wait like, wake, wake up, you lush. You know, I was like, wake up, you alcoholic. Uh, uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I love that though. But it, it always begins with the small details. It's, it's, yeah. You don't wait until. I think too many times people wait until you know. We, we, it's like we have to wait until it gets big, but it's. It's you gotta get it. You gotta be ahead of it. Yeah, you gotta be ahead of it. You know, that's um, you know. Sometimes my daughter does some things which you know my daughter is just three. She'll be four in August, and you know there, there are times where I'm I was we we are, we are just chatting and what did I say to her? I think I because she's she's also a big Spider Man person, but um, it rotates between Miles Morales and um, Gwen Stacy, and. She, she, what, what, I can't, I think I said something about, um, you're a superhero. And she said, no, I'm Clara. I said, oh, excuse me. She's like, yeah, I ain't no superhero. I said, okay. You know what? That's true. You're not supposed to be a superhero. You're not supposed right. to save anybody. So I said, you know what? That's true. You are who you are. Yeah. We, we go with that. You, so you're not saving me. I want to say, though, I do encourage the children to, to, to give them the space to have an imagination and be creative and stuff. But when it starts to cross into reality, you mm-hmm. have to say, okay, hold on. That's just a cartoon. That's just a comic. Enjoy it, but understand that you can't jump. Oh, my God, my son used to scare the crap out of me because he would jump off like eight stairs and try to land like Spider-Man. And I'm like, that's what I'm grateful for. I'm like, listen, dude. For some reason, she's not crazy about (laughs) You know, and he would do it. And I'd be like, you know, part of you as a dad, you're like, (laughs) yeah. But the other side of you, you're Uh, like, you just gave me a heart attack because I don't want to spend the rest of the night and have to answer questions of why this kid has a broken leg because he decided to jump off, dress up like Spider-Man and jump off the top. Eight that stairs. was one of my fears, you know. She started watching um, Into the Spider Verse way too early, but I, yeah. I don't care. I was like, we'll watch it early. But uh, I, I'm not one to judge. Uh, uh, but <laughs> that movie is great, man. We can talk all day about kids, man. But yeah, we still have to get to you becoming the man who I know as the the, the man into podcasting. So yeah, let's jump into that quickly. So from um, how. How did you officially go from the guy who, you know, with all that you went through, with all your navigating of life, how did you navigate your way into podcasting? My family's already, my, my mother's also been very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. That's the word. Um, so I grew up in an environment where we helped her with her business and stuff like that. And they had a good business going for a very long time. So, you know, my sisters and I had to earn like, oh, you want that? You got to come work. At this event, you got to come work at this place, you know, oh, at this okay. thing that we're doing. So you kind of, you know, you you work, you get you get your reward, right? And you, we 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 benefited from that. So that's where kind of my entrepreneurial spirit came. But with the music industry part, also was led to that path. I've been on tour. I interned at Def Jam for two years oh, in the nineties. Wow. I was on the Smoking Grooves tour. I remember when Erica Badu uh, debuted that song um, Tyrone because I she debuted it on the tour we were on. Wow! And I was like, this song is gonna be trouble. <laughs> but um, I was on tour with like The Roots, Erica Badu, Cypress Hill, uh, Parliament. So I got to finally see the the Mothership Land, which was a big thing. So all of those experiences have led me to this part because I've always wanted to do this. You know, I always wanted to be in this studio. I've always been attached to music some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I During the early 90s, 2000s, I came up with DonkeyJerk.com, which was supposed to be a music business website. So that's where the, the internet side of me and I, you know, and I... 
I couldn't afford to have somebody build it, so I got into programming. So that's the web development side. All these things have converged to where we're at now because all those experiences helped give me the experience and the knowledge to recognize when you see a media format or you see an opportunity building itself and coming, I would have never predicted what the pandemic would do for podcasting. But um, long story short, I was I went back to school to uh, I was teaching kids how to code back in 2016. Some of the oh. Oh, I, I I was uh, I did a some I was a te- uh, teacher's assistant in a some uh, in a um, in a cohort for uh, Latin you know for, for for boys of color. Okay. For six weeks, and as I said earlier, I'm a competitive person. Some of these kids was running circles around me, and I ain't like it. <laughs> I got my degree in it. I'm thinking I'm hot stuff, and this kid, little kid, this kid, 14 years old, 15 years old been coding since he was 10 comes in it's like i'm like why are you even here <laughs> like why are you even here like you should be teaching the class he ran some circles so i decided i was like okay there's some things i don't know i need to go back to school went back to school was driving uber um to you know pay my bills while yeah. i was in school and um was doing uber for about a year and a half and then i had an accident right before christmas in 2018 Got rear-ended by three cars on the highway. Car pulled in front of me, stopped completely on the highway. Oh, no. And I'm like, the longer we sit here, the higher the probability. And then I heard the tire screeching. And then he hit a car. That car hit me. And at first, I wasn't hurt. Or I thought I wasn't hurt. And then my shoulder started hurting. My knee started hurting. I I was jacked up. Tore my rotator. Tore my meniscus. I tell you the story because when I was in I was in school I was going so I couldn't drive anymore so yeah. my money just stopped cuz when uh-huh. when you're Uber, when you're working for yourself there's no sick days there's no yeah. compensation uh-huh. um especially if you're an independent contractor and so if I didn't drive I didn't make money and I couldn't drive like I literally couldn't stand for long I couldn't sit for long it was just miserable and I had like I had got my credit together like I was you know my divorce came through it was like I was like getting my life back together and then I had this accident Damn. and I was like I got to do something, right? I'm sitting home. I'm doing my schoolwork, but I was like, I got to come up with some money. And my friend and I always constantly, we were, we were actually trying to start a podcast. And uh, we had an investor, but things just fell through with that. Um, and I was like, I was watching it on YouTube. Just, you know, I was, like, I'm, a, I'm a constant learner, as you know. And I was watching this YouTube video. And I'm going to shout him out. His name is Shannon Hernandez. Because if it wasn't for his videos, I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. And um, he did like he's a he's a he's a radio host out in Arizona, but he does like podcasts. He, he does like trainings and stuff about podcasting. And then he was doing a video, and I saw in the background he was in an office building, and he had his laptop, he had his mics, he had a setup, a mobile setup, and he was talking about how he was waiting for his clients to come. So I was like, hold up, I could do that. I have enough experience in, with, with just being in a studio and all that stuff that I could do something like this. Mm-hmm. So. I, I did a little bit more research. I reached out to him, asked him what equipment he had. He told me what he had. I did some research, was looking up equipment, and I was like, I can do this. Went to Guitar Center in Long Island and talked with the guys there for like two hours. They were such a great help. I got to shout them. I don't know their names, but Long Island Guitar Center, go there. Uh, in Carl Place. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in Carl Place. If, if one, because yeah, their knowledge. Because center, that, that's true, though. I sat there with them for two hours. Just talking to them, telling them what I what my vision was, mm-hmm. and we were talking about mics and all these different things, and they were educating me. And then I was like, okay, basically. So I said, my, I'm going to come up with my mobile podcast studio. Didn't really know how I was going to market it, anything like that. I took my last two grand out my savings account, 
dried out my savings account. I actually had to call up some friends and have them PayPal me some money because wow. to finish paying the bill. Brought all my equipment, went home, set everything up, started learning how to do this stuff. One of my friends that I went to high school with, him and his girl had a podcast. They were my first clients. I used to drive out to Staten Island, and that's when I realized, okay, <laughs> some of the equipment I got works very well. Like like because they live with, but you know, JFK. It was one one summer we were recording, had to turn off the AC because it was making too much noise. <laughs> Planes were flying overhead, Jeez. and it was Fourth of July weekend, so firecrackers oh. and everything. You know, the engineer here probably he could probably understand the kind of the kind of experience that gave me, but it was a good learning experience. I knew I had to upgrade some of my equipment and all that stuff, so I was working towards that. But um, as I was learning more and more about podcasting, I started getting more of a vision, especially for I started seeing certain things in the black community in regards to podcasting, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is this, I was seeing problems that I was like, there's nobody answering these problems, the communication problem of. You know, white podcasting is predominantly white male, yep. higher income learners, you know, I mean, high income, in, high income earners and educated men. And they've been they've been basically spearheading how the direction of how podcasting moves. Mm-hmm. And I was seeing information in the group, but I was seeing was being was being lost in translation in regards to how some black podcasters were receiving information and advice from uh, white podcasters in, in some of these groups. And I'm like. We have a communication problem here. We need to have our own space. We need to have our own place where we can have a conversation with each other and you can be comfortable. You don't have to code switch to try to get the information you need. Yeah. I also understood that, you know, in a lot of black communities, the resources are very limited. We have we have rent, families to take care of. We don't have right. $20,000 to go and buy a whole setup, True. get a MacBook and, you know, $400 mic and, and a $300 interface. You know, you got to start picking and choosing. And I, and that was one of my, as you know, in, as I talk about a lot in the group, the audio portion of it is very important to me because I feel like that's this is an audio format. It is. So for the most part, there has to be some investment. But I can't sit here and say you need to dump $1,000 into, you know, building a decent studio for yourself. And I know that you don't have it that way. So I was just trying to solve some of these problems that I was seeing in regards to the repetitive of questions being asked. And seeing how people were trying to, like you said earlier, calling me a guru, and you mentioned the fake guru part, seeing how people were taking up, uh, being opportunistic with people yep. who genuinely are confused and don't understand. I have a big problem with like that kind of predatory stuff, mm-hmm. and um, having a you know saying, well, I can tell you, but you need to set up a meeting with me, and I charge a hundred dollars for you to meet with me. Now I do that with my business, but I do that for because I'm, I have a specific client that I'm looking for, and that's how I weed out people wasting my time. But as you know, I give out information freely. True. Because I know people, I also, you know, it's a little arrogant of me, but I know people can't execute certain things the way I would do it. Like if I sat down with you and gave you two hours of my time every day, but I'm still going to try to point you in the right direction. Yeah. So that's what I try to do when I started the Facebook group for the Black Podcasting. Um, uh, well, first it was Black Podcasting Group, but then we, oh, we okay. which was just a placeholder name. And I had, I had met with a fr- an associate friend. And um, I told her what I was thinking about doing, and she was the one who told me to utilize Facebook groups because I never used Facebook groups before. I was in groups, but I never thought about using it for myself. Yeah. So she helped me set it up, and that's why I was called the Black Podcasting Group first. Oh, and okay. I never liked the name. It was just supposed <laughs> to be a placeholder, but it just blew up, right? And this was right before the pandemic. This was Literally, we started in March of 2020, like a week oh, before yeah. the pandemic hit New York City. Mm-hmm. I saw it coming. 
and I, I was on, I was on the fence, like you know, with my mobile podcast studio. I had a whole marketing plan. I was like twenty twenty. You know, I do like most people. I finally figured out how to get everything together, how I wanted to do my business, had my marketing plan set up. It was like, yeah, 2020, I'm going to start marketing the mobile podcast studio, da, da, da. And then you start seeing going on in Italy. And I was like, hold up. My yep. science radar was kicking off. And I was like, oh, hold up. This is something's not right here. And then when it hit New York City, I was like, and I remember having a conversation with one of my best friends. And I said that. I was like, listen, people are getting sick. Yep. Do I want to risk this? And she was like, no, Corey, don't do this. You know, oh. we don't know what's going on. Don't put your... And then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose here, right? Like, literally a week later, everybody just started getting sick. And I remember hearing all ambulances in my neighborhood because I'm, like, across street. So they're coming down our blocks and stuff. So yeah, it, was similar, yeah. it was like, you know, it was crazy. But I had to pivot because I was like, I'm going to lose my business because I'm not going to somebody's house if their people are getting sick and dying. Yeah, so what was that like for you? It was a, so for a good three months, so March was supposed to be my, I actually had it on a calendar. March was a, such a pivotal month for me in, in this podcasting space because I was supposed to launch my business, like really prom start promoting my business. Yeah. I started the group and then uh, the virus, the pandemic started and my, my business model blew up in my face, right? So and I could have never predicted what was going to happen. So I, yeah. I, I can't say and tell people like, oh, with a business, make sure you do all your research. A lot of us couldn't have predicted was, yeah, what was going to happen. That, that's not, uh, it was a, it was one of those fluke things. God's territory. Right. Yeah. You know, force majeure as they put in force contract. Majeure, yeah. <laughs> right. And it just blew up in my face. And I struggled because I didn't know what I want. For me, it was all about the studio part. That's all. I was taking something I really enjoyed doing and it was a hobby and something I always loved doing and turning it into a business. I didn't have a... a I, when I started the group, I just saw a problem that I was like, the engineer side of me was like, we just need to figure a place to solve this problem. Yeah. I didn't know, I didn't have a clear direction of the group. I didn't know like what I was going to do. Um. So from like March until like June, May, June, I really didn't know what I was, I, I, I basically sat in limbo hmm. in the pot because I didn't know what I wanted to do. The group was picking up. We were getting more members. So I was getting involved in that and debating people and, you know, doing what I do on the internet. And even that group, I didn't really know what I, what I wanted it to be. It was starting to get there. It was the Wild West in the group. Yeah. People could promote, all that stuff. Um, and then my friend, she was like, why don't you get into consulting? So for me, like a lot of people, the imposter syndrome kicked in. She was like, you seem to know when you're in your group, you seem to know a lot already. And you bring a fresh perspective to the space that is not the same regurgitated information. Why don't you consult and help people? And again, that was something I didn't want to do. Mm. So it was it was that I whole dilemma yeah. that monthly that you know it was like a couple of months of me saying going back and forth and then I was like what well, and then the question was how do I do it like I didn't know I, I've where, never where, done it where, before where do you start? <clears throat> so it was like learning it was like relearning everything and building a new business model on stuff and as I was learning stuff I'm bringing that information to the group and then we're starting to see I'm starting to see the response from members in the group. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is this is gonna work. And I think for me, what, I, what was a very pivotal moment that I always bring up, where I changed certain rules in the group was, we had all these people always promoting their promoting, promoting, promoting. And I remember I went through some old posts, and somebody in there was genuinely lost. They put, I, and I felt maybe it's me just internalizing it, but somebody put up a question in the group. I don't remember what the question was, but it was it sat there for like two weeks and it got lost in all the posts of everybody promoting. Mm. And I didn't see it for like a month later. Yeah. 
And I reached, I was like, listen, the post, I didn't see the post. Do you want, do you need help? Blah, blah, blah. The person never responded. So part of this is still, I, I remind myself of that story when people ask for help and stuff, because I'm like, this is somebody who was probably at the last, the last, you know, the last of their, the last rope in this oh. space. And they were really confused and they came to uh, this community yeah. because they didn't know where else to go. And we didn't respond and we might have lost them forever. That's that's right. Huge. Mm-hmm. So that's I, why I was like, no more promoting in the group, and let's yeah. just keep it strictly about the content and people learning and asking questions. Year later, it became what it became. You joined us. Many other people joined us. Yeah, that, that was one thing I noticed when I joined the group, because I that was one thing I did not do when I started podcasting. I never joined groups. Uh, I never really took to podcasting groups especially on face group and when i finally decided to join podcasting groups it just felt like uh post um uh, give, give me your podcast uh let me know show, show me your podcast link and i'll give you five stars i said oh okay well wow, that's so generous right. of you and i will share and then it's like <laughs> five thousand people to share too and i'm like this person gonna give five thousand of us five stars wow and then in two minutes' time, somebody does the same thing. I'm like, wait a minute. It is a repetition. Is this a, a bug? And the next thing, I'm getting messages in my inbox. Hey, so how much are you willing to pay for? Promotion. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. What is, yeah, why, why did you just come out and say, this is my business that I do? Just, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a, a job. Fine. I'd rather take that than asking right. all of us to. You know, everybody just and I, all I kept seeing in all the groups was literally, "What was the link? What's the link to your podcast?" I give five stars, and everybody does the same thing. And I was like, "There's nothing for me in any of these groups." So I'm out of here. And then Facebook one day recommended Black Podcasters Association, and I was like, "Huh, here we go again. Here we go again. No. I'm gonna click on this and nope. gonna be <laughs> yeah, post post a link to your podcast. All right, get out of here." I was like, right, let me just check. Though I have, I have five minutes to spare, and I was like, huh, well, the posts look different here. All right, I'll, I'll join. <laughs> so right. that's that's why I joined with my podcast page, and then the rest is here. Yeah, I remember when I remember when you joined because I was like the name White Label American. Because at first I had to go look you. Up. So one of the things I did with the group though is I looked up the people because mm-hmm. we did have some infiltrators, and yeah, you know, especially with the political climate that we had. You know, somebody sees the black podcasting group, mm-hmm. you know, they automatically want to come in and be like, why? Are you? And that was something, you know, when I started, the group, we had to make sure. And we, are you black? And it was not to be discriminatory, but the no. purpose was to make it a safe space where you can say what you need to say and not have to worry about the repercussions or where have to worry about um, somebody coming in and, and starting like I, I like yeah, I, I, I wanted to create an environment we, we, where we, we learn space right. too, because right. They, we need we need our own resources. Um, I, I'm aware of the Asian um, American podcasters group. I support them, and I hope there's Indian podcasters groups, which is might be separate from the Asian American. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm also a member of the African Podfest uh, group, which is uh, mostly African podcasters in um, the con- on the continent and in diaspora, but mostly on the continent. Right. And um, somebody in Europe connected with was at the African Pod Festival. Uh, event and connected with me at the last event and but he wasn't trying to take up space there because if he had tried i would have uh like hey bro uh it's african podfest not european 
Right. Your name, the title of your podcast even says Europe and you're not even African. Because when he reached out to me, I asked him questions and I was like, okay, you're not even trying to interrupt. So, all right, respect. Just right. you're supporting. That's good. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm okay with everybody having their community, but just uh, we, we deserve to have our own space. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I'll stand for that. But um, yeah, uh, man, we could go on all day. So I need to start wrapping up. This, this is what happens when I'm enjoying a conversation. I start going. <laughs> well, can I say one thing too? Um, because you mentioned um, it, it, uh, Simbaza y- yourself. Oh yeah. And um, we had a couple of, you know, I was I was excited when we had a couple of members who had African background or roots, because I know for a lot of Africans, the title of black, you know, there's there's an area of contention sometimes depending on where you're from or how you view it. Not with me. Not, I know not I with know. you, but, you know, I know, like, colloquial, know, you know, know. in, in, in know. society, and especially out here in America, there's, mm-hmm. there's those issues, because I was a part, I was in a black conscious community and stuff, and, you know, sometimes they would talk about how Africans saw us, and, and one of the things I, I started realizing as the group started evolving was, even though it's the Black Podcasters Association, and I've, I think I've spoken to you about this, too, like, one of the things that I now want to do is I want to bridge the gap of the the, the, um, the, the diaspora and yeah. really because the landscape is changing and you know that's part of our mission is to change yep. the landscape um the landscape is changing and why we see like with the Joe Rogan stuff and we see the pushback that we were people were giving on the, the support that they were giving him in those and you know a couple of weeks ago in regards to his podcast comments he made in his podcast podcasting is now outside of America's borders when yes. I first met one of my editors that I outsourced to, he didn't have he didn't have much. He's from he lives in Chile. He was like it's dry, it's it's just starting out here. This was like a two years like a year and a half ago. Now when I speak to him, it's like yo, he's working and I'm happy for him because I don't you know the whole time difference and stuff. I'm like good. I'm mm-hmm. glad it's happening in your country because now you can keep steady work coming. You don't have to just sit and wait for me to hey say I have a job. Yeah, right. Because that's how I, I was helping him there. Mm-hmm. Um. Africa, right? Because of brothers like yourself and Sambazan coming into the group, I realized I didn't realize how big it was becoming in, in in the motherland, and and then I started doing the math, and I'm like, well, if it's becoming big in Africa, then it's gonna that means also by by uh, osmosis, it's gonna become big in Europe because of you know the the connection between European um, Europe and Africa, Southeast Asia, yeah. you know, here in America. I'm like. The, the 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 color of podcasting, the co- podcast industry is going to be changing. Damn right. And I also think because like conversations like this, it's an opportunity for us to dispel the stereotypes, the the confusion. Um, thanks to the internet, we're seeing that Africa's not all dirt roads or nope. you know the stuff that they like they you know they, you would only see on the news or what they wanted you to see mm-hmm. in certain TV shows or TV movies and stuff. Now because of Instagram live like I can you can go Instagram live where you know your family can go Instagram live and I can see for myself that it's not what I was been taught was from when I was a little kid we have it and more everybody has it everybody. I can take you places in America that we, are, we, that are worse like, than the worst than the, the ghetto, worst place right American ghettos and I show people back in Africa they're like you lying I, I said, mean we can show I'm you we can show you the roads <laughs> in New York City during the winter right like I, oh no, we we winter. No, most Africans back home they don't accept winter. But I'm telling you, when no, I'm, I'm just saying, show, I show them summer here. They're like, uh, "Is that America?" I say, "Yes, it's, it's called a ghetto here." They're like, "That's a lie." You, you, you know, you fake that picture. I say, "Oh my." So God. I, I look at I look at this as an opportunity <laughs> for us. The podcasting space, because uh, of the nature of podcasting, is not controlled by 
you know, because we can sit here and come to a studio or yep. we can get a laptop and connect mm-hmm. a microphone, the entry point into podcasting is easier than going to start a TV show. True. Going to start, uh, um, I mean, you have YouTube now makes it much easier for people to get their that content out now where you can just get a camera and do, you know, do that stuff. But it's still a cheaper and easier way to get an entry point to, to, into a media space. And because of this, we can actually, and now because of like things like Zoom and all these other applications where we can talk overseas without having to pay long distance fees, yeah, you know, through the internet, it just it's an opportunity for us for black black Americans and Af- African our African brothers and sisters, and I really hate saying the term Africa because Africa is a, a, a bunch of different cro- uh, groups countries. of people yeah, and countries and stuff. Hey, they understand, you know, but but it's a perfect <laughs> opportunity for us to finally push back against colonialism, Western philosophy, white supremacy. I hate using all those trigger words, but that's the best words I could come up with right now to really dispel and really show the world that we are connected, but also we're not monolithic. That's right. But we're also connecting and we can now dispel these stereotypes that have been put for centuries, have been put that have been a a gap between us, even to in 2022. That's that's why this podcast exists. The white label American is to bring down the Fisher Walls. Right. So, so. exactly. So (laughs) I want to. I want to. When people listen, I want them to understand that when you hit a black podcast association, it's for everybody. Even if you identify as African or whatever, you know, like some people say here, right? You're you're Australian. Yes, I'm working on getting our sisters in Australia, some sisters in Australia to come over over there. The the in in the Pacific South. uh, I didn't even realize. Uh, Israel Adesanya, I love UFC. When I realized he, you know, he's from he he fights out of Australia, even though he's Nigerian. Oh, he does. He fights well, out of Australia. He's not he's not my my buddy, but uh, yeah, he, I'm, technically I counseled him a long time ago. But well, but yeah. when I saw that he was coming from that space, I was like, oh, we're out there. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't think uh, about when you say Australia or or New Zealand, you don't think so, some Nigerian going to write to him now and say what? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Give me, give me money on Patreon. Then That's my talk. dude, by the way. I love him to death, man. I love his fighting style, but but I just wanted to say uh, that. No, it's all love. It's all love, brother. No, appreciate that, man. So, um, I've gone way over time. So let me wrap it up with two questions. Sure. Um, first one. Since we have international listeners, someone coming to your part of New York, which is according to the New York State government website, the most ethnically diverse urban area in the world, Queens, that's Queens I'm talking about. Queens get the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 we got love for you guys in Brooklyn, you know. You know, we, we're kind of cousins, you know. It's not like Staten Island. Ooh, I don't know who those people are. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, first time visitor to Queens, coming to meet you, where are you taking them to go eat and what are you getting them to eat? Oh, man. In Queens? Yep. I'm going to take you get some pizza. And my in Queens? Queens? Yes, my Queens heads are going to uh, hate me for this. According to science, the best pizza is in Brooklyn. Yes, but you asked about Queens. So you 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 strapping me down to Queens. That's the point, man. So I'm, so point. my Queens heads are going to hate me for this. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take you to Gabby's Pizza, not Margarita's. I'm going to take you to Gabby's Pizza. Gabby's Pizza. pizza. Yep, on Hillside Avenue, Francis Lewis. Okay. I'm taking you to Gabby's because I think personally Gabby's pizza is way better than 
margaritas. Margaritas is oily and greasy. Okay. And everybody, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm taking off the gloves right now. All right. Everybody says margaritas on Jamaica Avenue, but. Shopping your knives. I'm taking, if you, you got to get, you got to get New York pizza. So I'm going to, if I have to do it in Queens, I'm taking you to Gabby's. Now there's some other spots in Queens that's probably really, really good, but Gabby's is a spot that I like to go to. All righty. All righty. You had it. So if you're Margarita's Pizza people. I'm going to get a lot of hate mail on, on my social him. media. Get him. Get him. Get him. I'll point you in the right direction. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> my job is to let point people in the right direction. That's all. And Gabby's, if you guys hear this, man, you know, holler at me. Hey. We can talk about some sponsorship or some episodes. Hey, I accept Gabby's money and I accept Margarita's money, too. You know, I got nothing but love. Man. And I accept pizza. So. I'll take Margarita's money, too. <laughs> So, now, you already mentioned some of the hip-hop legends, but we we need to go extra controversial now with music. So, everybody who's been on this podcast, we assume you're a dancer. If you deny that you don't dance, we'll kick you out of the studio right now. I don't dance, so you're kicking me out. We already know you dance. It's too late. You can't deny it anymore. (laughs) You've been here for too long. So, it's too late to deny that. So, we need you to dance for one hour. Don't worry, we're not going to make a video and show the world. We need you to dance for at least an hour, and we need you to give us at least three artists that will keep you dancing for an hour, or three or four artists that will keep you dancing for at least an hour. However, you can't give us any of the names you've already dropped, and you can't give us the most popular names. And since you mentioned Puerto Rico, you can name... One from Puerto Rico. You can also drop one from Germany too, since you know you got roots there. We well, we accept that. It's all it's all good. But yeah. So you making these rules too too complicated, man. Hey, that's a, that's a, that's a plan. You know, that's that's how that's so, how I don't dance. Hey hey, it's too late to deny it. We 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 seen your files. I got your CIA files. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big dancer, so. Hey hey hey. hey well, and I, I listen to all kind of music, so it's a little hard. Hey, that's the point. So anybody. Yeah, yeah, just not the most popular names. You can't name Bonner Boy. Nah, that Bonner Boy has been. It's, it's what about been, Black Coffee? That, I just got I got put on to him. So Black Coffee, yeah, he my boy. He my boy. Uh, uh, you can't name Black Coffee either. He too oh popular. my god! He's right. Grammy nominated. Ain't he winning Grammy? See, no, he in the same category with Bonner Boy too. I like Black Coffee too. You know, he, all right. Yeah, yeah. He, he good. They're good guys. You know, they all Bonner Boy been named too many times on this podcast. So I'm like, no. So who I got to dance to? Yeah. Oh, man. He, he's searching for names. He's searching for names. Yeah, I am. Um, I don't want to have no dead air either, but uh, I got to dance to him. So I can't, like, not, not like no Michael Jackson or nothing like that, what? right? I said no popular names. I know. So you, you're making my Michael, life difficult. The most popular <laughs> name of all. You got, it's, it's like somebody says Beyonce. I'm like, come on. Come on. That's oh man. ultimate cheating right But there. you're saying I got to dance yeah, they keep you dancing. You know, you're dancing for at least an hour. You know, you can't you can't go name somebody like um 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 what's my man's name um Barry Barry White. You know, Barry White don't keep you dancing like that. You know, that's um I mean, but that's I mean, I'm out. All right, dancing. so I'm uh, th- so I'm gonna name my man Nicky Jam. Nicky Jam, I, I know that name. Yeah, from uh you know reggaeton. Okay. Um, shoot, some bougie banton. Hey, <laughs> um, wasn't he locked up? He was. He freeing out. Okay, I told tell you what dance that I would do. Well, my my boy is Onyx. I'll do some slam dancing. We can do that. <laughs> What's his name? Onyx. How you spell that? O N Y X. It's a hip hop 
Legends, man, from Queens also. Ah. Um. See, I don't. You asking me for music to dance to, and I don't dance, so. Uh huh. Mind don't dance. Huh? That's a song for you. Mind don't dance. Some uh, see uh, some Oscar de, Le, de Leon. Oscar de Leon. Yeah. See. Man, this you ain't trying to tell us he's romantic. <laughs> what? Oscar de Leon. All right. That's how many is that? All right. You 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 you, you pass the test. We'll, we'll, we'll let that slide. We'll let that slide. I like Oscar de Leon. You know, when I was single, that was uh, one of my. You know, I had Oscar de Leon. Yeah, I had, I had him on standby. I'm not saying that's how I got my nieces, but I had him on standby. So, final question. What would you like to leave the audience with? Could be... Oh, no, no, before the final question, there's one question I, I forgot to ask. What's the name of your rap group? My rap group? Yeah. So, we were called Malice. Malice. M-A-L-I-C-E. Ah. And then, you know, um, a couple years later, the Malice came out. He was a part of... um. Clips. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we, we was first. We was ninety hey. we was ninety six, ninety five, ninety ninety six. Uh was Malice and you know, uh Yeah, what, what was your rap name? My rap name? They called me um <laughs> I was Savage. Hey. Yeah. That's a good name. Yeah, because I acted like a savage. I got that name when I was on tour. <laughs> My boy, he was a he's a um He's a, in the 5% nation, and, you know, I was wilding out. You know, I was having a good time when he was on tour, and he was like, yo, you act like a savage, and that's where the name the came name. from. <laughs> All right. I, yeah, I, I was like, man, I got to ask that question. All right. The savage. All right. Yeah, but. Okay, so final question. What would you like to leave the audience with? It's your freestyle moment. Hey, it could be from your days as savage. could be from the malice. Hey, or, <laughs> or it could be just from something you've written. Oh, you've read? Oh, well, you know, I'm going to talk, you know, I'm here. My thing is the podcast space. You know, my baby right now is the Black Podcast Association. So I I, I definitely want people to check it out. Uh, It's a great community, great people in the community. You know, just as much as I've given to the community, they've given back to me. Um, So if you're out here listening and you want to learn more about it, blackpodcastersassociation.com. That's the same name on all our social media um, as well. Um, so you can just do a search that should come up, but I'll, you know, come out, support. If you're interested in starting a podcast, I highly uh, recommend you to join the community first. Make sure this is something you really want to do. Um, it's a lot of work. You'll hear a lot of glory stories, as I call them out there, about all this stuff. But it's a lot of work, takes a heart, a lot of commitment. And I don't want it's an expensive hobby and I don't want people wasting their time or, or having it affecting them psychologically because it didn't achieve the success or they just realized that it was too much for them. You know, when it, you know, the vision of it is just too much work to get to that vision. Um, support black podcasters, support black businesses. It's important. Um, it's important just for the ecosystem, just for the for society, but support black podcasters. If you can, if you can donate to their Patreons, if you can support them and their merchandising, do that. Don't be cheap. Yeah. You know, if you could spend two hundred dollars on Jordans, you can spend five dollars in supporting your favorite black podcaster with their Patreon. Damn right. You know, um, and I'm not trying to be on like the Jordan, you know, that whole conversation of people, but support these creatives out here because these people put a lot of work and time and energy into what they're doing. And a lot of them have great stories and great information that they're bringing to you that you get to enjoy. 
And some of these, some of these art creators are on the borderline of, of hanging things up. And just that support, that love, the, the comments, and the, and the monetary aspect of it also will, will help to keep this going and keep it moving because this medium is for us. It's for regular people. Despite all the celebrity and corporate stuff, it's for regular people to mm-hmm. have great conversations and educate and inform, connect, collaborate, all those good words. So support that. All right. Thank you. And I agree. Support us. <laughs> we need it. We need all the support. You can buy me coffee. <laughs> you can buy my match. You know? Yeah, support Raph, man. Make me your secret family. <laughs> you know? I ain't going to leak out any of your information. Just have me there like, you know, just treat me like you. I mean, I'm your side chick. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, so, you, you ain't got to buy me lobster. Just, just Yeah, you ain't got to buy me lobster. Just, <laughs> just be on my Patreon or buy me coffee or buy my merch. Hey, I, I, if you don't want me sending you notes, that's fine. I won't send you a note. But just buy me. and uh, Not buy me. Buy my merch. I mean, you know, support me. That's all I need. And support other black creatives. All right. So thank you again, brother. Thank uh, you. As we say in my language, Umbana. And I've gotten a bunch of thank yous. You know, I like acquire thank yous from other guests. So one of my favorite is Barang from the Gam- people of uh, Manjaku in the Gambia. Okay. So, yeah, that's one of my favorite thank yous for now. Gracias. Yeah, gracias. That's my <laughs> gracias. Other, yeah, that, that's one, one of the first that I learned in America. So. Or I'll say here, how we say here in New York, good looking out. Good looking out. <laughs> hey, a long time I used that too. Good looking out. I need to, I need to remember yeah. that when next I'm in Germany. So, um, how, where, where can people find you? And, you know, because you also have a business too. So, they got to support you. All right. So, I got a ton of. So, if you're interested in learning more about um, the Black Podcast Association, we're on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. You can just do a search for the Black Podcasters Association and our, our handles will come up. Most of them are either Black Podcasters Association or the Black Podcasters Association. So, shouldn't be too hard to find. If you're interested in learning more about my business, you can go to on Instagram as well as on Twitter to Black Podcast, Black Label Podcast Studio. Again, it's Black Label Podcast Studio. And you can check me out on Instagram there if you want to connect or whatever like that. So I'll leave it with those two um, because I got like six, six different brands and Instagram accounts and stuff. And it gets a little crazy. I'll add that to the show notes. And yeah, make sure you hit up Corey, the great guy. Yeah, thank you for the privilege of your company. I'll see you all next week. Keep the love coming in. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.